Hello and welcome to Nourish, your Biblical Roots Special Edition. I'm Bishop Paul Lanier, Chairman of the Board of Directors for the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Now I'll be your host for today's podcast. We're broadcasting from NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and during our time together, we'll be talking with special guests on a variety of topics, especially as it relates to Israel, the current situation there, and the work of the fellowship. Today, I am beyond honored to welcome to this podcast one of Israel's and the fellowship's long-standing friends and supporters, Governor Mike Huckabee. As most of you know, Governor Huckabee is host of TVN's weekly talk show, Huckabee, and writes that's very creative. Very and creative, writes yeah. the popular morning edition <laughs> newsletter on Substack. He served as Arkansas's 44th governor from 19, uh, 1996 to 2007 and was a presidential candidate in 2008 and 2012. If that wasn't enough, he's an ordained Southern Baptist minister, a New York Times best-selling author, a musician who can slap a bass, and the proud father of the current governor of Arkansas, his daughter, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is amazing. In addition to spending a few moments with us this morning on this podcast, Governor Huckabee will also be hosting a very special event later today with the fellowship and joining in a most extraordinary conversation with Adele Raymer, an Israeli citizen who experienced firsthand the horrific October 7 attack. Governor Huckabee, welcome to this podcast. And again, I can't tell you how deeply grateful and honored I am to spend this time with you, sir. Bishop, thank you very much. Uh, quite frankly, with that send-up that you did in the introduction, <laughs> I think my wise course of action is to say thank you and I'll no, get up and no, leave. No, 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 no. Because I'll never live up to that. No, but, sir. Uh, every bit of grateful it I am to be here with you. Well, sir, you've been to Israel innumerable times, including many trips on behalf of the fellowship, visiting our yep. projects and seeing what Christians from around the world are sponsoring there. Can you tell us a little bit about your own long-held love for the souls and the soil of Israel? Bishop, it started in 1973. So I just last year celebrated my 50th anniversary wow. of trips to Israel. I've probably been over 100 times over the course of that 50-year period. Most years I would go three or four times. I started taking groups in 1981. And uh, usually I take several groups a year of several hundred people at a time. Over the course of the years, there've been tens of thousands of people that I've escorted and tried to show what Israel is all wow. about. And uh, my original experience, a friend of mine and I went over there just after we had graduated high school. I look back and I think, mm. what were we thinking? Mm. But we went all over the Middle East. We went to Lebanon, Syria, wow. Jordan. Uh, we went to Cyprus and uh, places I wouldn't go now. Yeah. But in the course of all of that experience, Israel was on the itinerary. Mm. I went there and something very special happened to mm -hmm. me. And it was that this is a place I've never been. But I felt at home. Yes, sir. I felt an overwhelming spiritual yes, reality sir. of understanding this is the land that God yes. has given to the Jews. Um, even though I'm a Christian, everything that yes. I embrace yes. as a Christian is rooted 
in the promises yes. that God gave to the Jewish people. But there was a spiritual experience in all mm -hmm. of it. Uh, and let me be very clear. It wasn't because at that time Israel was a wonderfully developed and mm -hmm. progressive nation. Mm -hmm. It was a sleepy little country with horrible roads and bad cars and uh, not much industry. And they had been fighting off uh, every kind of enemy who yes, had tried sir. to destroy them since 1948. Mm. Um, but it wasn't about the landscape. No, It was about the spirit of the people. Yeah. I felt that I was witnessing a land that was very much like the origin of the United States. Wow. In that here is a people who have come escaping a galloping terror, who want to have freedom, who want to have security, and who have every right to have that. And they've they've waited 2,000 yes. years to return to a homeland yes. that has been theirs for 3,500 yes. years. So it was the spirit of the people, that, mm. that sense that no matter what the obstacles, how difficult the landscape was to farm, uh, here was an extraordinary spirit of people that said, this is the land God gave us, and we're going to make something extraordinary out of it. Over the course of the 50 plus years, I've seen scripture come to life. Mm. The desert has bloomed before my eyes. Yes, sir. And the dry bones <laughs> have taken on flesh. And when you look at what the prophet said of the Old Testament about Israel, and then you witness it in your yes. lifetime, you literally see what was nothing but barren, just dusty, yes, rocky sir. soil that wouldn't grow a weed. And now, because of drip irrigation, the extraordinary technology that the Israelis have developed, you have the most lush gardens and greenery that is exporting fruits and vegetables all over the world. Yes, sir. But I remember when it wasn't like that. Um, real quick story, Bishop, but mm -hmm. there's a story of an Israeli farmer who had taken a piece of land and it was like down in the... Um, deep in the desert near Beersheba and he had nothing but rocks and dirt mm. and went down there and just worked it hard and one day his rabbi came out to see him and uh, by this time the farmer had developed quite a farm and it was growing things and it was beautiful and the rabbi said oh my son what you and God have done with this <laughs> piece of land and the farmer wiped the sweat off his brow and said Rabbi, you should have seen it when God had it all by himself. <laughs> and I think that that story to me is, is such a great picture of what the Jewish people have done, taking this land God gave them. And instead of looking at it and saying, this, this is what he gave us. They said, this is our home and we will make it magnificent. Wow. And they have. And that's why it's such a joy to keep going and seeing now this land where there are more Nobel Science yes, Prize sir. winners than any other country on earth proportionate. And the greatest innovations that we in the United States enjoy, whether it's our cell phones or mm -hmm. uh, some of the heart surgical procedures mm -hmm. that many Americans will have that'll save their lives, they were developed in Israel. Yes. Governor, talking about the, the startup nation and all of the, the brilliance that, that God has unleashed in that space and the progress. 
and over the many years and over a hundred trips and the celebration and the awe of what you've witnessed there, put that in contrast now of your most recent trip hmm. and what you saw, what you heard, what you felt in this context of this massacre that was unleashed upon the people on the soil and the souls of Israelis. Bishop, I, I have been there when uh, it was less than ideal conditions. I've been there during and right before and right after an intifada. Uh, my wife and I went over in 2014 in the last Gaza war. We wanted to show solidarity when the U.S. State Department was telling people, don't go to Israel, it's not safe. They even shut flights down to Tel Aviv. And we thought that was outrageous because uh, it was a gut punch to the people of Israel and to their economy. So we were there during that time. But of all the things that I have seen, nothing prepared me for the sobering experience of being there um, in December, which by then, a couple of th two and a half months yeah. after uh, the terrorist from Hamas went in and massacred so yes. many Israelis, yes. innocent civilians. Uh, but talking to survivors, talking to families of hostages, Going into uh, Kibbutzim that had been overrun by the terrorists and then realizing the impact that it had displacing hundreds of thousands of Israeli families who couldn't go back to where they had worked to build their homes. Um, it, it just had an effect on me, the likes yeah. of which I'd never had. And even when I got home, I was telling some friends, I said I would just become emotional sometimes, unexpectedly. Uh, maybe sitting in church or, or just being quiet. And suddenly things that I heard and saw were overwhelming. And I realized that the world doesn't fully comprehend the atrocities that were suffered. Uh, and it wasn't just that innocent civilians were murdered. As horrible as that is, it was that those who did these unspeakable, despicable things celebrated it, were proud of it, call their families back home in the midst of it uh, to boast yes. of those things which they should have been brought to their faces in shame over. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when it really hit me that we're not dealing mm -hmm. with an issue that is political, no. social, no. economic, or geographical. We're dealing totally. with an issue that is spiritual. Yes, sir. This is evil. Yes. The, the worst level of evil that exists on our planet today, we saw on October the 7th. And for anyone to march in the streets, whether it's America or Europe, and to show support for this uncivilized and savage behavior, to me is a, a mark of darkness in our, in our world. I was saying myself that I, I'm not even sure in moments like this, conversations that you and I are having right now, I, I don't have a lot of hope that it would change the maddening mobs in the streets. Mm. But my prayer is that, oh God, use moments such as this to quicken the hearts of those in the pew yeah. and wow. those in the pulpit to find something in themselves. And you wonder how, how do people even use the, those who would deny that it even took place. Yeah. How do you use the word hostage? What, is, what does negotiation mean 
if, the, if it never happened, if no one was ever stolen, what would you say to these people who are marching in the streets and saying it never happened or trying to find some equalizing force? Well, maybe it happened, but you don't know what they've done to the occupying force that hasn't been there since 2000. When people use the term occupy, I say, mm -hmm. yeah, Israel is occupying the land, but it's the occupation of a land that God gave them yes. 3,500 years ago. It is their land. The title deed was given by God to Abraham and to his heirs. And so you want to talk occupation? I never use the term West Bank. I find it no. offensive. Uh, we're talking about Judea and Samaria. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. Um, I, I love refuse. that about Mr. Yeah. Bagan. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's exactly right. We need to use the biblical language. And part of the reason that I'm as passionate as I am is that unapologetically, I'm a person of the book. Yes, sir. I believe the scripture. Yes, sir. So in Genesis, when we're told that God will bless those who bless Israel and curse those Amen. who curse Israel, I'm simple-minded enough to say, there it is. What am I going to do? I'm going to believe that. And so what you said a moment ago is very important. This needs to quicken people both in the pew, but also the pulpit. And we need to be unapologetically approaching this, not because we think that there's a whataboutism mm -hmm. politically, nothing to do with that. This is a biblical mandate, yes, and we need to stand on it from that perspective and recognize that uh, we should never, ever allow the Jewish people to feel that they're alone again. Yeah. They felt that in the Holocaust. Yes. They were alone yes. in the Holocaust. And many people look the other way, both governments and uh, people of the church, yes. because it was not affecting them personally. And in some cases, maybe they didn't even fully understand because uh, as horrible as the Nazis were, they weren't posting their atrocities on social media and trying to trumpet what they were doing to the world, which is what makes this horrendous thing Hamas has done so much, to me, worse. Yes, sir. Because they, they want everyone to see what they've done. It's, it's as if they... They want to raise that flag and, and show people. And their expressed desire is to annihilate yes, every sir. last Jewish person. We so as, it's not about the land. No, it's about it, genocide. It is about genocide. Uh, but they know that if they can conquer the land, yes. the last place of security yes, and serenity that the Jewish people have on earth will be destroyed. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it becomes easier to annihilate the people. And that's why we have to be so very crystal clear that the land is not just real estate. Mm -hmm. It is the place of security. It is uh, a place of refuge. Mm. And it must be a place that is undisturbed by its enemies and by those uh, who wish not to enjoy the land, not to farm it, not mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. prosper from it, but just to keep someone else yes. from living there. Golda Meir in 1972 made a powerful statement when she said, we will have peace in the Middle East when Arab mothers love their own children more than they hate ours. Yes. Wow. That's sobering, but it is turned out now 52 years later to be 100% correct as to what we face. Governor, you're such a friend of the fellowship and you've been uh, to Israel many times and, and for our sake, and you've seen the boots on the ground of the fellowship. 
Can you tell us in your own words, your own heart, uh, what do you what do you see the role of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews? What have you witnessed there? Well, it, it, first of all, I've witnessed that it is the carrying out of scriptural mandate mm -hmm. to bless the Jews. So even if there was not a humanitarian element, and there certainly is, it would be all about uh, carrying out God's command to bless the people who have been given this land. But what I've seen in a practical way is amazing. Um, most people perhaps are not aware that the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews provide more humanitarian assistance within the land of Israel than even the Israeli government. Wow. The Israeli government looks to the yes. fellowship um, to meet needs they can't meet. And when people are contributing to the fellowship, what I've seen is I've seen the trucks carry food yes, to the homes of elderly widow Holocaust survivors. And the reason I say I've seen it because I helped climb the I've stairs with the ale <laughs> and go into the home of someone without that box of food, they wouldn't have food to eat. One lady I'll never forget, we went into her home, we climbed, uh, I think it was four flights of stairs. She had not left her tiny apartment in eight years Wow! because physically she That's couldn't good. get up and down stairs. So there she was completely, basically uh, landlocked to this small apartment. The joy on her face when we brought in a box of food that included some staple items, mm -hmm. but also fresh fruits mm -hmm. and vegetables. Uh, she wept. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was certainly sustenance for her physically, but the encouragement that she received oh, yeah. knowing that somebody cared for her. And it's when Yale and heard. Oh, and, and when Yale said Christian people in America wanted you yeah. to know they loved you. It was powerful. But I've stood in line um, helping serve at a soup kitchen where there were hundreds of people yes. lined up to come get lunch. I've gone with Yale to the warehouses, yes, huge warehouses, and helped stuff boxes that would go to people like this uh, Holocaust survivor that we went to see. So it's not just that I've seen the photos mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or watched some video. I've physically been where the fellowship is meeting the needs of Israelis, some of who have made Aliyah from all yes. over the world because they wanted safety. They needed a place of refuge and others because they wanted to be in their ancestral homeland. But it's, it's been a remarkable thing to see uh, the incredible impact that the fellowship has meeting human needs. But Bishop, I'd say beyond that, it's meeting spiritual needs yes. and it's providing a powerful witness yes. for those of us who believe that that too is part of our stewardship of the scripture. So as a face and a voice of the fellowship and a Christian, uh, as someone who's traveled there for the fellowship, and as someone who has such credibility with our people, with the Christian community, you have no hesitation in encouraging our people to support the fellowship. And I've done it many times and continue to. In fact, I, there's hardly a week that goes by that somebody didn't come up to me and say, I want to be able to help people in Israel. What should I do? And I say, give to the fellowship because I know what they're doing with the resources that they have. I've seen it. I've watched it. I've helped deliver it. And if, if you really want to help people in a very direct way, uh, 
there's probably no better means to do that. So time and again, I've pointed people in that direction. I said, you know, there's some great organizations and I'm not discounting all of the things no. that some of them do. Exactly. And I thank God for them. Um, but if you want to help the least of these, yes, those who have no other hand to reach out to them, that's who the fellowship focuses upon. But after October 7th, I also have seen the fellowship do things that, uh, and I've seen some Americans say, we got to get them bulletproof vests. We have to help the military. But you can't just show up and send things. It has <laughs> yeah. to be with very specific criteria and specifications. Yes, the fellowship has the connections oh, yeah. to be able to deliver things that will actually be used and accepted. So, you know, I, I had a friend of mine in New York and he gathered up and he started raising money to get bulletproof vests. And finally, someone had to tell him, you don't do that because the, the Israeli Defense Force is not going to just accept yeah. a box full of uh, vests yes. that don't meet the very technical specifications for their soldiers. The fellowship, on the other hand, working with the IDF, yes. have been able to deliver thousands of these very life-saving vests because of the uh, credibility that they have yes. and the connections that they have within the state of Israel. Governor, I know you were very busy this morning throughout this day, and I can't thank you enough for your time. If it's all right, I'd like for us to just end our time with a word of prayer. Sure. Almighty God, I thank you for the souls and the soil of Israel. I thank you that you are the one God of the one people with the one capital city of Jerusalem. And I thank you for Governor. I thank you for his willingness, his heart, his passion, his diligence. And I ask that you would continue to use him and multiply him in this ministry of reaching precious people in Israel. Now bless this day and use it for the furtherance of your kingdom to speak into the hearts of hurting people to know how much you love them and you care for them. And for all of this, we give you praise. Amen. Governor, thank you so very much, Bishop, sir. Thank you. Such it's an a honor. pleasure to be with you. Thank you.